0: I have just been given a photograph. And I have been poring over this photograph. It is of my grandmother. My foster grandmother who was called Grace. Grace. She is dressed in Shakespearean costume. And I am trying to work out what character she is playing. She is standing looking like. A page boy, dressed like a boy. Attentive, waiting. A messenger, a servant. Somebody in attendance to the couple, beside her, the lovers. They must be the lovers. They look much more present, realized, sure, in place, in character. Already known than my grandmother's character. Who stands silently, waiting, patiently, patience like a monument, standing on, waiting. And I am puzzled as to what part she is playing in this black and white photo. There are curtains behind her. Theatrical curtains, stage curtains, the sort of curtains I remember from my sixth form days. All the world's stage All the world's a stage, and all of us are players in it. A reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher, Sally Bailey. And this photograph, which has been given to me recently by my foster mother and sister, has set me thinking again and reading again My Shakespeare, and I've been taken back to my sixth form days when I was 16, 17, 18. And then I was reading The Tempest, the late romances. But yes, it was the romances that preoccupied me, and it was the romances that my grandmother preferred. A Midsummer Night's Dream, Twelfth Night. As you like it. And so I have been given a photograph, which is compelling, of my grandmother dressed in Shakespearean costume as a male courtier, I imagine, in black and white, waiting patiently for her part. But what part is she playing? Perhaps it is inevitable that she would play a male part. She was boyish. She is boyish in this photograph. She is not overly feminine. Some of us are. Me with my flowing hair, far too feminine to play a boy's part, but my grandmother was not like that, no, no, her hair was always in place. And in this photograph, she is so still and so attentive. I'm waiting to be told her part, her lines. Perhaps she already has her lines. Perhaps she already knows her part. Perhaps she is already well rehearsed. And I am thinking of Cesario in Twelfth Night. And I am thinking of Viola, the go-between. Because my grandmother is standing next to two lovers And of course, when you think of lovers, you think of Hamlet and Ophelia. You think of Romeo and Juliet. Perhaps you think of Rosalind and Orlando, but not really. My grandmother looks like a messenger boy. Perhaps she is the friend. Of a prince. Perhaps she is Horatio, Hamlet's friend. But I think it is inevitable she would play a male part. But still I want to know what part, what part she had and I cannot tell yet. I cannot tell. Only that she stands apart from the lovers. Apart. Solemn and still. Solemn And still, I guess it's a romance, I guess it is a romance because my sister has shown me the entire cast and there are several women in floppy hats, droopy hats, but I keep thinking and I keep seeing my grandmother's legs which are sturdy branches, muscular and sinewy and firm. And I am reminded of The Forest of Arden, which is a play about trees in the end. Poems pinned to trees. Lovers. There are always lovers in Shakespeare's romances. Lovers in a muddle. Lovers rehearsing parts, trying to find a place for themselves in the world. Lovers who have fled from the court as they have in As You Like It, Rosalind and Celia, her friend, fleeing in exile. Rosalind joining her friend Celia, choosing to join her friend. And the women you see are also partly romantically attached to one another because that is the nature of friendship in Shakespeare. It is always partly romantic. Even when it is between two women or two men. It is a kind of marriage. It is a kind of contract. And so Rosalind and Celia go off to the forest. They join one another's fate in exile. But I am still thinking of my grandmother's legs, swathed in tights, as was the fashion then. This photograph must date from 1926 or 1928, the year that Virginia Woolf published. What was it? Orlando? Mrs. Dalloway? One of those, one of those. And my grandmother's legs are sturdy branches, muscular and sinewy and firm, and I want to touch them. But grandma, as we called her, is standing alone from the rest. She is still finding her words, and there is a pause around her. I can hear it, a pause. She is apart from the rest. She is silent. She is inward. She is rehearsing her words. She is finding herself. She must be only 16 or 17 or 18. She is a sixth form girl. And we all must pause in order to gather ourselves at that age. At any age. Who are you? What are you? What part do you play? In this play of life? We must all pause in order to gather momentum to feed ourselves to find our words to take in the uh, in the forest of arden are you there yet are you there have you separated yourself from the rest have you taken a pause from the life of the court court are you caught in the life of the court which is all about status and rank rankness Rankness, that is a word. That is a word Shakespeare likes to use quite often. Rankness, rankness. Being caught in your status, rebelling against your status, pushing against that firm tree, the oak tree, your lineage. Your heritage, your inheritance, the part they would have you play, king or queen or prince or princess. You must take the air. You must shift your legs a little to find your part. And so I look at my grandmother and I see she is still finding her part as a sturdy boy. She would make a good courtier, my grandmother. She looks trustworthy, a confidant, perhaps. A confidant, I wonder. I wonder, is my grandmother Touchstone, the motley fellow, the clown in As You Like It, who lives by his words, who lives by his words? touchstone who falls in love with a dull-witted country girl called Audrey. She is a goat herd. Audrey who tends to goats. Audrey who could never be his equal and you see that is always the problem. We cannot choose who we fall in love with and they are rarely our equals and so we must stand apart. Those of us with sturdy legs. With real musculature. And Touchstone. He is a clown. And all clowns stand apart. From the rest. By their words. By their words. Their wit. Their words. And my grandmother was a clown. All her life she played the fool. At parties and in the church. Whenever there was a pause. She spoke up. She spoke up. About the shape of someone's hair. What a dreadful attempt at a hairdo, she would say. What a dreadful attempt at a hairdo. My grandmother saw through it. The terrible playing of parts that don't suit you. She's enormous. Couldn't she do something about that? Martin dressed as lamb. My grandmother saw it all. And she said it and she spoke it, unlike the rest of us who sit in silence contemplating what it is we might say if only we had the courage. But Grandma never held back. Why should she? She'd found her part and she was playing it. She was married by then. She was married by then. But she was always a sturdy boy, I think, inside. A sturdy boy with fine legs. And I wonder now. I wonder what happens to women who are more boys than men, more men than the men. I should know. I'm one of them. What part do they play? What part do they play in a romance? Look, look, there are women in floppy bonnets. I have seen the entire cast, you see. I have seen the entire cast. Women in floppy bonnets sitting alongside my grandmother on the other side of the stage. I imagine, I imagine, they are Celia and Rosalind who come from the court. And go into the forest of Arden Of their own free will I am speaking of As You Like It I am speaking of that romance by William Shakespeare I am speaking of two girls who love one another And are bound to one another As men might be in friendship too As a married couple might be Two women in floppy hats. In this photograph, I have been bequeathed. And we imagine it dates from 1926 or 1928. But those girls, those gals, those girls, those gals, those girls, Celia and Rosalind and the like and the like. Girls from good homes, were they really made for marriage? Has anyone properly prepared them for that, for that? No bucolic idyll, no bucolic idyll, no singing of songs. There are always songs in Shakespeare, but is there ever time to sing a song once you're married? I wonder. There is a song. There is a song in As You Like It. It's called the Forester's Song, but I don't think it is really for women. It is for men. It involves a horn. The horn of the cookhold. The cookhold. The cook I will come to that in a moment. In a moment, but I am thinking still of marriage. And who really is suitably prepared for that, are you? Are you? Are you really? For a man of few words, who was ill half the year, who stayed behind closed doors, sealed off in his bedroom, only rousing himself for work, Like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz, whose legs would never move without oil. Squeak, squeak! Without oil. His wife. His wife. I know that is a cruel image, but illness is cruel. What do we call it these days? Depression? Melancholia? I'm feeling a bit down, so go into the forest of Arden, so go into the forest of Arden and take up the role of Jaques, the philosopher. They always speak French. Melancholia, melancholy. Robert Burton, Anatomy of... Melancholy, a 17th century text on the history of the condition of melancholy. We call it depression these days. Down, 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 downwards. The fall downwards into the dark. It is a cruel illness. It can shut you down completely. For six months, they said, my grandmother's husband was shut down for six months of the year. The iron curtain going down. In Shakespeare, was that Jaques, I wonder, the philosopher who decided to stay out in the forest and not come home and not be married and not be bothered with any of that sort of thing, sharing a space with someone else? No. Jaques who prefers to nurture his melancholy because it can be rich and strange. And some of us quite like that sort of thing. Jaques, the philosopher, Shakespeare's thinking man. Shakespeare's man of the world. I have had my experience, he says, before he got here, to the forest of Arden, to the play, He had been a man of the world. And he speaks of his melancholy thus. I have neither the scholar's melancholy, which is emulation, nor the musician's, which is fantastical. The musician's, which is fantastical. Nor the courtiers, which is proud, nor the soldiers, which is ambitious, nor the lawyers, which is politic, nor the ladies, which is nice, nor the lovers, which is all of these. But it is a melancholy of mine own, compounded of many simples extracted from many objects, and indeed the sundry contemplation of my travels, in which my often rumination wraps me in a most humorous sadness. like the leaves that fall in the autumn upon the ground and then later he says to the rest of the court who are listening to him the man of wise words the man of the world who has seen and been and been and seen things He may have written down in another age if he had been a diarist or a journalist or a philosopher or even a novelist, Jaquies. Perhaps you would have been happier if you had found your words in a different form, one that fits life and experience, I would call you A novelist, Jaques, Or a journalist. Because you say, I am for other than for dancing measures. Dancing measures. The life of the court. The life of the court. But all he is saying really... Jaques, the philosopher, is this, that he, he can articulate his grief. He has the wit, after all. He has the cadences. He has the language Shakespeare has given him that all the world's a stage. Remember that speech? It is very famous. He can mock and scorn this clever courtier. He has the experience, after all. Yes, I have gained my experience, he tells Rosalind. Jaquis the traveller who sold his lands to travel, spent his fortune, but what of the man who stays at home? And what of his wife? And what of his wife? Jaquis has the forest, he has the spirit of the forest, he has his forest song. And he sings this he says this he sings this what shall he have that killed the deer his leather skin and horns to wear the rest shall hear this burden the rest shall bear this burden then sing him home then sing him home take thou no scorn to wear the horn It was a crest ere thou wast born. Thy father's father wore it, and thy father bore it. The horn, the horn, the lusty horn, is not a thing to laugh to scorn. A strange song, a strange song, don't you think? What does it mean? What does it mean, the lusty horn? A song of hunting, surely, of hunting the deer. It is called the Forester's Song. And it is a song for cuckolds, a word I still found strange, even now. From the old French, cuckool because the cuckoo bird has the very bad habit of laying his eggs in another bird's nest. Sowing his seeds, you might say, behaving like an adulterer. He is the adulterer. And it is Jaques who knows that. He knows what it is to be an adulterer. He knows what it is to sow his wild seeds because he is a man of the world and he has seen that sort of thing that lies beyond marriage. lies beyond that divine contract between man and wife? Who believes in that, really? These days, really? Jaquies, who belongs in a novel, because he has the experience. Jaquies, the philosopher, Shakespeare's thinking man. I think he should be a writing man, and in another life, he would have been a novelist a novelist, a sort of Martin Amos type man, because he has seen the world and he wishes to report on it. It is bursting from him at the seams, all the world's a stage, and we are all players in it. Wiz, who in another life kept a travel log for all his adventures Perhaps he was a kind of Boswell, James Boswell, friend of Dr. Johnson, famous for his diary or his journal, famous for his drinking, famous for keeping many women or not keeping many women, a man about town. Jaques, Shakespeare's man of experience, a man of many moods, of many times, a worldly man, a man for all seasons all the world's a stage all the world's a stage because it is if you have crossed it the stage the world if you have loved and lost and lost and loved then Jaques is your man and when I first read that famous speech which I may read in a moment. I was too young to understand what it was to have many lives and many worlds and many parts. I was too young then to know what it meant to scorn as Jaquies does. He scorns. He scorns. He scorns. Let me read that speech again. The famous one, you must know it. Everyone knows it. Everyone has heard it at some point in their life. Let me find it. Let me find it. It is full of scorn, 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 meaning a contemptuous attitude, meaning to mock, to abuse, to ridicule, to treat as a jest, a game, a sport, like a football you might kick around. That famous speech, let me find. That famous speech from As You Like It, spoken by Jequis the philosopher. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. At first, the infant mewling and puking in the nurse's arms, and then the whining schoolboy with his satchel and shining, morning face, creeping like snail unwillingly to school. And then the lover, sighing like furnace, with a woeful ballad made to his mistress's eyebrow. Then a soldier full of strange oaths and Bearded like the pard, jealous in honour, sudden and quick in quarrel, seeking the bubble reputation even in the cannon's mouth. And then the justice, in fair round belly with good capon lined, with eyes severe and beard of formal cut, full of wise saws and modern instances. And so he plays his part. The sixth age shifts into the lean and slippered pantaloon, with spectacles on nose and pouch on side. His youthful hose well saved, a world too wide for his shrunk shank, and his big manly voice turning again toward childish treble. Pipes and whistles in his sound. Last scene of all that ends this strange eventful history is second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. Is that what it is to scorn, to scorn, to scorn? Thank you for listening to A Reading Life, A Writing Life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like it, give us a review, or mention us to friends or on social media. Thank you.